Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Hey, I heard you need an inspiration. He's Ilana and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day, every little thing's gonna be a-okay. Hey everyone, new episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, you'll find behind-the-scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. Little known fact about my guest today, she made it cool to have one name before anyone else was doing it. Welcome, Orfe. A-OK. A-OK. Hey, everyone. My guest today is the singer-songwriter and Tony-nominated actress Orfe, who has starred on Broadway in Fascinating Rhythm, Saturday Night Fever, and Legally Blonde, but began her Broadway career covering multiple tracks in Footloose. Her television appearances include Law & Order, Sex in the City, and Maid. She has appeared in many movies, some of which include Kiss Me Again and Across the Universe. She has a solo album, the title of which is What Do You Want From Me? And it's available on iTunes, along with her many hit singles and cast recordings. She's married to another Broadway star, Andy Carl. I would love to welcome Orfe to the podcast. Hi! So I want to start with, I think, the greatest accolade for anyone in the Broadway community is to have Seth Rudetsky <laughs> be obsessed with you. <laughs> Seth Rudetsky has been on this show, and this is a true story. Roger Bart, who encouraged Seth to come on, was like, you know what? You should have Seth do, like, you know, one of those things where he kind of goes through, you know, the deconstruction, the deconstruction yes. of your voice. And I was like, oh, that's a great idea. And so I was like, Seth, you know, this is the show and this is what we do and it might be fun. You know, some people sing and some people tell audition stories. If you wanted to do a deconstruction of me as Lucy in your good oh man, Charlie Brown, God. he was like, yeah, no, that, I mean, that takes a lot of time. And, uh, you know, <laughs> which was the sweetest, sweetest way in the world for him to say, it's just not the voice I want to deconstruct. Oh, my. When did Orfe know, like, I guess I'm kind of good at this. When people kept telling me how ridiculously strange it was. I thought, well, at least it must not be run of the mill. And <laughs> is I, that a quote? No, that seriously. That voice is ridiculously strange. That's really strange. You sound like, you, you sound so old. You know, because I've had this. You sounded like this. I sounded like this when I was six. You know, I could see it was kind of like, you know, that uh, recording artist, Michelle A. She kind of yeah. talks like this. And then Always suddenly did. Right. It, it, it was like I had a normal six-year-old's voice. Cindy Lauper does that a little bit, too. It's crazy. Right? Like her speaking voice is so adorable. And then she 
Yeah, but else. I don't have an adorable speaking voice. I, right. I, I live in the basement when I speak. I actually sing higher than I speak. Do you live in the basement? I do live in the basement with all my little so friends. Sad. Yes. So I think it was more about, I realized it was off the beaten path. In public school, you had chorus. I would never get the solos, ever, because it was too different. It was too off the beaten path. They wanted something that would blend a little bit more readily, you know. So I kind of knew there was something there. I just didn't know what it was. And I knew that I drove my mother crazy singing every jingle on the television, everything. And, and actually, my first job, my first professional job that got me to be a SAG must join, you know that, yes. yeah, was a jingle. A national network jingle made me a must join. Were you a young person already? Very, a, a very young person. And I was in a room with all these adult, like mega jingle singers. Like they made their livings doing okay. jingles. And I got the solo. And I was maybe, honestly, 13 or 14. Most. Where did you grow up? In Manhattan. Did you come from a family of artistic, creative nope. people? They're very artistic and creative, but not in the arts. So. Okay. <laughs> so. In shoemaking? What do you no, mean? No, you know, my mother's in real estate, okay. you know, just business. They're really smart business people, but nobody, I didn't even know No one what, was in the entertainment no, business. No, and there were no momagers around. There was no one. It was just something that I came out of the womb knowing that that's what I wanted to do was perform. I didn't realize, and I've said this before, I didn't realize everybody couldn't sing. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that everybody put, didn't put on skits and write stuff for, you know, assembly and things like that. I didn't know that this wasn't something that everybody, you know, like everybody drives. You right, know what I mean? right. I didn't know it was do special. Do you have siblings? Nope. I'm an only so child. So you're an only child. So you were doing all these shows by yourself. Well, by myself, but there were a group of us that would get together and like write skits. Or, like, sing Grease or sing Rocky Horror, you know? It was like we would do our versions of it. And sometimes during school, there was, you know, a bad snow day where they wouldn't close school and there was really not much to do, and they'd let us put on skits. How did you even start professionally auditioning for jingles? Did you just uh, harangue your mother until no, she let I, you I, go it, out on calls? It was weird. I honestly don't even know how it began I just, I was a really, if I was a guy, I'd probably run a corporation. You right. know what I mean? I just knew how to get you to were the young, next level. You were young, scrappy, and hungry. I was young, scrappy, and didn't really have, you know, and I didn't do weird things for it. Obviously, I'd be in a different place in my life if I did the normal route. But I just was like, oh, so who's a manager that does, th who's a kid's like manager? like opening the yellow pages. I was literally looking through, like, the Ross reports going, who right. does kids, right. you know? And I went to... And this was before I got to performing arts high school, and then everybody knew everybody, and everybody knew you everything. Went to the fame high school? I went to the real fame high okay, school. Okay, well, we'll get we'll there. get to that. We'll get there. But Let's really, get out of seventh grade first. I was I was just a, a scrappy kid who, and you know, I have, I'll tell you, I should give him credit, and he's no longer on this earth, and he raised my my stepfather. He was the one that really recognized it. And he didn't, again, he didn't dadager or anything like right. that, but it was like he knew a couple of people who knew a couple of people. And I did a bubble yum commercial. And I then love bubble yum. Bubble, and I had bubble yum to for this years day. to this day. <laughs> I had cases of it. It was amazing. Oh, and um, from that, it kind of just, you know, I found the right kids manager, 
They told me my eyelashes were offensively long and I should cut them. And I knew there was already this is going to be my life. This is Especially horrible. Especially for voiceover. Yeah, exactly. And um, <laughs> They're like batting the batting, microphone. They're like, what is that? And oh so that's, that's honestly how it began. It was just a matter of trial and error. And you started booking. I booked. I had like beginner's luck booking. I right. booked every jingle and you know I was you, you wouldn't know it I don't have the tapes I don't you know those commercials aren't even on YouTube you know what I mean like that you, is unfortunate you can't find that bubble yum commercial on YouTube you know and if I were to tell you oh I sang on this or I sang on that it just it just seems you know boisterous but I kind of do want you to tell me like what were some of the big ones the big one that ones? made me the 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 must join was a, a Gina Tay jingle that no one's ever heard and I Gina think Tay. okay but I think that they used somebody's song and they didn't so I can't say okay. but it was it was I was the kid and all the adults were like who is this kid that they gave the solo line to I'll tell you big, who I am it was a group yes. eight you know but they said oh you sing the solo oh. line it was crazy thrilling so, yeah so you you had the bug Obviously, <laughs> had you bug. had the bug bad, bad, and you auditioned for. Was it called Laguardia when you no, went? No, no, Laguardia. We graduated from Laguardia. We were last. We were the last of the kids to go to the school on Forty Sixth Street, which was ironic that years later, my first show was on Forty Sixth Street for Footloose. Right. So it was very strange to me. Okay, so you audition for an entire day. To get into that school. Like, I would say... Wait, is it called High School for Performing Arts? It was called Performing Arts. Performing Arts, And then okay. there was Music and Art Uptown. Music and Art Performing Arts merged, and that became LaGuardia High School of the Arts. And that happened while you were in school? Yes, and right. we were all very upset because we came from a tiny little school where everybody knew everybody in the most charming building. You, you literally, the, the freshmen knew the seniors, the seniors knew the freshmen. Nobody was like, I'm not talking to you. Yeah. There were three departments. There was yeah. a music department, a dance department, and a drama department. And which were you in? I was in the drama department. A lot of us, because we were so desperate to go to that sort of school, and it was free. It was free to go to performing arts and music and art. Many, many of us auditioned for everything in every school. If 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 you could even tinker out a note on the piano, right. I auditioned for the music department at Music and Art. I auditioned for drama. I auditioned for dance. Right. I, I was you going to get every in. every possible opportunity yeah. to be at a performing arts high school. But I also applied to go to Stuyvesant. I also applied to go to Bronx Science. Oh my God, that's it was, my life right now. I was like, I'm going to go to one of these specialized, amazing schools that don't cost $40,000 a year to go to. And thankfully, I got into my wish school. The weird thing is the year I got nominated for a Drama Desk Award, the awards were in the auditorium of high school. That's where the Drama Desk Awards were being presented and handed out. And that's I thought, really well, if cool. I win, I have a great speech, but I didn't win. Do you want to do it now? The speech? No. <laughs> No, it it was only I mean, kind of only good be in a the little, moment. It'd only be a little sad if you do it yeah, now. Yeah, it would be really sad that I'd even remember what I was going to say. But what if you were like, actually... And you know, Kristen posted it. that night. <laughs> I brought it with me, Alana, just in case Yeah, I did. Asked. It's in my pocket. I keep it in case I need it for another time. Yeah. No, and Kristen Chenoweth was the host that evening. So it's all these like little full oh, circle moments. Coming together. I know, isn't it crazy? It is crazy. Yeah. So you were in a duo... A singing duo. I was. I was. Uh, called. Or N more. Yeah. O R, the letter N. Yeah. More. Yes. And I imagine the or was from Orfe. Yeah. And the more. Was Mike Moore. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, if there were ever two people <laughs> destined to have a duo, it would be you two. Now, were you guys in high school together? We were in high school together. He was a genius in the music department, and the most talented kids of performing arts were in the music department. 
reading up about this band that was poised to be something huge. Yeah, it, it really was. And I mean, no bull there. I, I am saying it for her. It's really true. And you were, again, super young. Super young. So were young. you like, I know, step two, I'm going to become a recording star. The only thing I ever wanted to do in my life was be a pop star. Mm-hmm. Every All roads, everything I did, everything I wanted to do, every thing I trained for was so that one day I could perform for 60,000 people in a stadium and put out record after record after record and be at the Grammys. And that was it. That was my whole roadmap. You totally did it. So how does this girl, again, who doesn't come from a family of musicians, no, like you and Michael, genius... He, I'll tell you what, we have to give him the credit for this. His okay. dad was in the music business. Great. His dad was in the classical department of Sony. And he was a big, big wig in the classical music, which had nothing to do with us. But certainly he had all the ins and he was on the same floor with a big record executives. And Tony Martell liked us a lot. Certainly for no shortage of us just lurking around his offices 24 hours a day. We were those kids. We were shameless. We were young. We would just lurk in the under the guise of like, oh, we're going to visit Mike's dad. But really? We were never really visiting Mike's dad. So somehow we were able to convince Tony Martell to give us a 12-inch deal. Remember 12 inches? You know, this was the 90s. <laughs> well, I dated. The late 80s. I dated he, a guy. see... <laughs> Lucky you. (laughs) So they gave Tony Martell, kind that he was, just maybe he just wanted to get us off his back, but he gave us a 12-inch deal. And we put out a single. It was a big club hit. The DJs went crazy for it. Johnny Dinell was the top DJ in, in the business at that point. He's still big. But he was like, I'm spinning this record. David LaChapelle, who was... Not even remotely David LaChapelle, took our cover photo shot. Just because somebody at the label had this photographer. Right. She's like, like the Annie Leibovitz yeah, sort of yeah, rock and roll. Yeah. yeah. And he, she, she was like, Susan Blonde. Susan Blonde's like, I know this photographer. His name's David LaChapelle. He's going to be huge. Trust me. He's going to do your photos. And he did. And he did. And he, by the way, is. Yeah. It and he happened. is. I always tell people, stand next to me for 10 minutes. In 10 years, you'll be one of the biggest stars on the planet. Like, yeah. it never fails. If I'm sitting next to you at an audition, you're going to book the job. And two minutes later, you're going to be a household name. In my case, be my under. Study. I, is that what it is? Yes. For you, it's that? For me, it's just yes. being an audition just, next to me. Just, <laughs> you want it? I know it doesn't feel great being an understudy, but it guarantees you a Tony. So please go right ahead. So you and I are, I'm telling right? you, there's something some people lucky have, about us. Yeah, it's a muse thing. We're a, muses. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Ah, I'm okay with that. Karma. I have a lot of happiness in other areas of my life. So I'm completely, completely fine. But did you and Michael? Or Mike. 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 Yeah. Were you writing these songs in high school that became the album, that yes. became the tour, yes. that became... That was part of the thing. Once we had the singles deal at uh, Sony, we somehow managed to have enough hype off of this 12-inch that Johnny Dinell had blessed, basically. I feel like I'm trying to be cool, but I can't do it anymore. I don't really know what a 12-inch thing A 12-inch is means. a big single. You okay. know, like, it's a 12-inch single that Literally. the clubs would play. Okay. And it was back back when vinyl was still in. They would make a big 12-inch version okay. of this vinyl so you could have one song yes, and, it, and 14 and versions of it. this song. Okay. So that's a 12-inch. It's a club mix. You have 20 mixes of the same song. So you kind of, it's just specifically catered for the clubs. And we had so much buzz off of this that 
the record industry perked up its ears and they heard we were really young because youth is still it's, that's not a new thing. Youth right. is the number one commodity. Let's exploit that. Or yeah, yeah, exactly. Good with that. And right. we were self-contained. And at the time, late 80s, certainly into the mid to late 90s until the groups like Nirvana came around and things like that. People wrote your songs for you. People put you together. They right. packaged you. You're like, you know, kind of... The Simon Cowells of the day exactly. were doing that. Yeah. And that's always existed. It's just now on TV, so more people know about it. But when you get a couple of young kids who actually produce and write and arrange and record, and Mike had a recording studio, that was like gold. Were you Orfe once you became a pop star, or were you always Orfe? In terms of not using a last name, was that pre-being a pop star? It was so pre-being a pop star, and to this day it's an issue. We, we I laughed about it with my manager literally yesterday, because she desperately wants me to be Orfe Carl. Oh. And I've been Orfe Carl for six, you know, sixteen years. I, but that's in, your. She wants your married name. She to wants my married name. name. She just seems to think people still get tripped out over the one name thing. And I'm. I've had one name since I walked into school, because during roll call, the teachers had such a hard enough time with Orfe. They certainly didn't get to the last name. What you is know? your? What my, was your? My last name's Almarad. Okay, so in it was so difficult already to see Orfe. I didn't have a very generic name. Yes. you know what I. I mean, and I went to public school, so it wasn't like I wasn't in Genericville. You, you were know? not the only one with a name that was not Jane no, Smith. No, exactly. There, I don't think there were. Jessica when was as normal. When you look back, don't normal. you feel like, actually, that name wasn't hard at all? Like, when you really Still. think about it, you're like, what's wrong with you? Like, Or if you're not sure, just ask me. Yeah. And I'm happy to tell you how to exactly. say it. And I, so that is honest to God how it started. So then once by the time I got a record deal and I had to join AFTRA because I was still a SAG must join. Yes, you were. uh, By the time I joined AFTRA, I joined as Orfe. And, you know, in the union, God bless them, they're the only good thing about all of this mess is that they don't give a shit if your name is Orfe or uh, Cup of Water or if that's your freaking union name. It should be Cup of Water. Cup of Water. The second. Maybe that's what's wrong with that's me. That's why the understudies are getting the Tonys. Cup of water doesn't sound Jewish, does it? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. No, I don't quite know what it sounds. Cup of water wits. But you know. It was cup of water wits, and then I made a cup of water. Levenistein. But that's interesting <laughs> that, that even today, that's ridiculous. That's like you're a huge star, and you're not changing your name, but and here's the thing. it's all See, good. That's the thing. It, it's, it's, it's the fact that I'm not a huge pop star or a mega A-list model. Apparently, unless you are a mega pop star or a mega model, you can't have one name. And I'm like, I've had one name since before I knew, and she's my godmother, before I knew who Cher was. You know what I'm saying? So this is a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. It's like a thing. Major. in In your life. Yeah. So when you just said that Cher is your godmother... Yeah, I let that drop, didn't I? Sorry. Because I kept um, that a secret for 10 years because God forbid I should have anything fabulous right. about me. I'm sorry. We're just going to cir- we're going to get back to the rant in a moment because it's you're you're right to have feelings about it. It is your identity and it is who you are. But really, of all people to be able to understand what you're going through and I would imagine who could be a great advisor and ear for you. Yeah. It would be Cher. How did you come to know Cher? Chaz is one of my best friends. Okay. We went to performing arts oh together. My God. And Chaz lived in my apartment. Oh. 
Well, we went to high school because Cher lived in Los Angeles. Chaz needed to have a New York address. And it was yours. And he was my roomie for a long time. I mean, actually, my apartment was, you know, Hangout Central because I was very close to school. And I'm an only child. You know, everyone could come hang out with me. We had the best time. We had the I've, I've said this before, too. It's like we're one of the few groups of kids that had a good high school experience. You're so lucky. Very lucky. Everything else has been And is that because— Not so great. And Elijah— Blue yeah. is mm-hmm. older or younger? Than Chaz? Yeah. Uh, younger. He's, okay. he's the young brother. Yeah, okay. Young, he's in his 40s now. now you know? <laughs> he's a kid. You know, he's he a baby. He was six when I met him. He'll always be six of to course. me. You know what I mean? So. so what was it about that high school experience? Is it because, like the movie Fame, where everyone's dancing on taxi cabs and running around Lincoln Center, you got to be creative? It was create. It, it was a bunch of very creative kids who were very edgy and different and off the beaten path. A lot of us were from broken homes and, you know, not rich kids, not, you know, stuck up kids. These were kids who really wanted to be doing what they were doing and they worked really hard to get there. So there was a very communal vibe about it in the sense that there wasn't competition. It wasn't like, well, she's prettier, she's thinner, he's hotter. It wasn't about that. Everybody was reaching towards the same goal. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And we were actually, it was one of the few times I remember everybody rooted for each other. Being 13 or 14 or however old you were when you first met Cher, who was already Cher. Yes. It's not like <laughs> yes. you didn't, even if you weren't interested in music, I knew who she you would have known yeah. who she was. Yeah. Tell me about being young and impressionable. And my fantasy is that she was incredibly fun. A really she, fun Incredibly mom. fun. Incredibly cool. And, you know, the thing that I most often hearken back to is that And there's a few of us. I feel the same way about my very dear friend, Taylor Dane. You know, there's a few women I have met in my life that are very, very much themselves. Mm. There are no airs. They don't put it on differently for different rooms. They are very much themselves, like it or not, better or worse. There's not a public share there's and a private no, share. No, and there's not a public tailor or a private tailor. There's not a public me or a private me. You know, yeah. I can tone it down. I'm certainly not going to sit on Kimmel and start, you know, dropping F-bombs. I, you know, there is that. There is certainly a, a modicum of grace right. and and You have an awareness class. of where you are. Yes. It's not like, I'm just going to be a truck driver and, you know, squat and bleh. It's right. not that. But Cher was always very about who she was, and she was always about teaching us to be ourselves and do what it is that we did. And if it was, if there was something that we did really well, to go and do that. You know, there were no. Again, she was strict. She was a taskmaster. It was like you got to be disciplined. So the the discipline was there. And but what I know about the entertainment business, what I know about that world. I learned all from her. You know, who else would I, you know, yeah, again, I, I, and I know everything I know about real estate from my mother. You know, it's like you learn from. Those are two really good things to know really about. Really good things, truly, honestly. <laughs> and both have come the most in handy. You know, that was, if yeah. only there was an accountant in the family, then that would have been the trifecta. That's my dad. He can help See? you with that. But, you know, it's like she just, again, it was very, it was very about discipline and yet being true to the muse that's, you know, stirring inside your soul. There was never any, why would you do that? There was no kind of like shame. Do you know what I'm saying? She didn't shame people. Mm. And she was also watching her and hanging out with her. You got to remember my generation, we were young. She was much more of a thing 
to my mom and those sure. women. You know, those are those are the women that those were like, were oh my God, fans. this is yes. crazy. Yes. For me, it was like, this is just a real cool lady who happens to be my best friend's mom, who I spend a lot of time with. And yeah, I know who she is. But it was more, I got to forge a personal relationship as opposed to being like, oh, I better watch my P's and Q's because this lady's a big superstar. You know Have what you I guys, mean? Did you ever sing with her? We've sung like the way we would right now, yes. but not professionally. Okay. <laughs> we've 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 done a lot of you know. We've done Christmas carols together, definitely, yes. and a lot of singing along with the radio. Right. We always, oh, if we were driving, the radio was on, and we were just You're doing blasting. some stupid stuff. You're Thelma and Louising it. <laughs> yeah. What about Sonny Bono? Was he ever around? He was awesome. Yeah, we got to spend a lot of time. Uh, Chaz and Sonny were very very close. So you know, occasionally we'd get to go to Palm Springs and hang out there, and he was really cool. Just really, really cool. I mean, I got really lucky. And and when you're not with somebody 24 hours a day, and they're not actually he wasn't your dad, your, pa- you your parent, right. you could just really enjoy them. Yeah, you know. Plus, for a city kid to be in Palm Springs, like that was, you might as well have been on the moon. For a right? city kid, kid to be in L.A. I was yeah. like, wow, What's what is this? There's a pool outside. What? In January? Yeah, yeah. I know. We went recently. A friend of ours has a beautiful house in the Catskills, and we had been there in the summer, and he has a pool. And then we went again over New Year's, and I realized, like, my son is such a city kid that we're driving through a snowstorm up the Hudson to the Catskills. He's like, can we go in the pool? Ugh. I was like, sweetie. It's 20 degrees out. Oh my God, I got to get this kid out of the city more. Like, it doesn't mean it's different weather. Like, the pool is not open. I mean, he's adorable. and But that's how we felt. Yeah. You know. So just to go back, your voice blows my mind. Thank you. The sound that you can create is just it's mystical Thank to me. You. And it always feels to the lucky listener slash viewer effortless. Was there a time where you went from I have a natural gift to this is my craft or my instrument? Or how did you develop control of this masterful voice? It kind of has a life of its own. But because, you know, people always say, how'd you always get through eight shows a week? And mm-hmm. you never... Because when we did the music stuff, there were four gigs a night. There were four cities a day. There were 16 airplane rides a week. You know, we never slept. I mean, that's why you have to be young in the music business. So I learned early on, and honestly, by by hook and crook and luck and just having a a good head on my shoulders, I learned what I could not get away with and how to preserve my incident, my instrument, my incident. I preserved my incident. (laughs) But a bestseller by Wolfie, yeah, preserving incident. my incident. Uh, I just learned early on how to put, just nurture it. So self-taught. Self-taught, self-maintained. And I knew you can't get away with smoking. You can't get away with drinking. Drugs are not even in, in the, on my leg, you know, in, right. in any part Never. of my, you know, existence. They were probably too easy to acquire for me. I can't do anything that's easy. Who were the singers that you loved to listen to and that influenced? <sighs> All the old R&B groups, you know, the OJs. Honestly, the men, Shaka Khan, Gladys Knight, these rich, honey-soaked, these people that made you feel something with these rich... I knew I wasn't going to be a lilting soprano. Mm-hmm. That was obvious. Mm-hmm. But so this, the... Voices I heard growing up that made sense to me were the R&B singers, you know, that that lived here, you know, 
And then people like Taylor Dane came along. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, look, blue-eyed soul. Yeah. Who knew? This yeah. is okay. I don't have to kind of change and start to sing I a different way. You know? And But really my influence is I think Shaka Khan has one of the greatest singing voices that God ever gave anyone on this earth. And the greatest name. Ever. Let's just be honest. No one gives her shit for it. Um, <laughs> Eddie Levert, Walter Williams, Howard Hewitt. You know, these are people that, you know, I just worshipped. David Bowie, though, you know, Prince, of course, right. the love of my life. I was in black for a week when he passed. Yeah. You know, it just and then you get someone like Whitney Houston and no one's ever going to sing like her again. No one ever sang like her before. Yeah. You know, I wasn't much younger, but, you know, you, you still it's before I hit. And I thought, God, wow. Yeah. I wonder if I could ever sing like that. You right. know what I'm saying? But it was always those crazy R&B singers or the blue-eyed soul singers that made sense to me. And that inspired you. Yeah. Happily, for those of us who worship at the altar of Broadway, oh, and I consider myself head worshiper. Head worshiper. This is, that's your book. <laughs> I know that somehow the music business was not nice to you at a certain point, and you ended up auditioning for Footloose, Footloose. Yep. and as I said earlier, started by covering a lot of tracks. Yeah. And luckily for us, you seem to segue magnificently from touring around the world in huge stadiums to bringing all of that to these musicals on Broadway. Yeah. Somehow, as luck would have it, you went from Footloose to the Gershwin musical to Saturday Night Fever. Yes. And it is my understanding, and I want everyone to just go and listen to every one of these soundtracks, um, but someone named Andy Carl shows up <laughs> and takes over yeah. for like the last six months. Yeah. Can you let us in a little bit on just like how awesome it is to be Andy and Orfe? Like, is it as awesome as it looks? I, mean, I don't think anything is ever as awesome as it looks. It's you better. Know, we we clean right. dog poo and, you know, Good. got a million things to do. It's very normal. Um, you know, I just, again, th- there's there's some good karma and there's some terrible karma. The good karma has been in my relationship sector, for lack of a better word. And, you know, Andy's just the bee's knees. So, yes, he is everything everyone wishes he was, you know, or is. He is funny and he's kind and he's sweet and he he's really funny. And I think that's well, in the, at go. the end of the day, that's not something he just that's not his stagecraft. You know what I mean? He's just an unbelievably funny, warm, generous person. And uh, I just happened to be lucky enough to be in the right place at yeah, the right time. You were in you know. Saturday Night Fever. Yeah, and he came in and, and it Did was... Did you kind of start dating right away when immediately, you met each other? Immediately. It was a big, big old secret. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, once by the time people found out, they were like just hysterical about what a showmance this is. You know, this is going to last 14 seconds. And I, you know, to this day, I ran into my understudy in Saturday Night Fever, who's a really great Hillary friend Clinton. of mine. Hillary Clinton. There you go. <laughs> Hillary Clinton, Adele, Adele, <laughs> you know. Adele. So Lady Gaga. Yes, that's right. You know, um, and she was like, how long have you guys been married? I said, 16 years. She goes, yeah, and we used to just laugh at you. We didn't even have a wedding. We eloped. Because why? we figured, why it, have a big wedding? Everyone's going to be sitting there going, well, let's, uh, you know, let's set the don't egg timer. The check. Yeah, right. like, don't get them pre- presents yet. They're going to have to send them Did back. Did you guys get married pretty quickly? Five and a half months after we met. Why? 
he was going on tour with Fever, with Saturday Night Fever. He was doing the tour. And he and I both were like, and for whatever it means, we're both very modern people. But we were like, we want to be married. We want to know that we are, you know, <laughs> doing our taxes together and living in the same house. And, you know, we knew instantly to to the, sh- the, the, the shock of everyone else, we knew we wanted to spend the rest of our lives together. It was Had you a- even met each other's families yet? No. Andy had met my mother. Okay. But... No one was at the. My best friend was the ring bearer, the witness, the maid of honor, the <laughs> photographer, the videographer. That was it. And he was like, if I don't come to your wedding, we're done. So there's something called the Tony Awards. I'm sure people have heard of them. And they might have. My good friend Orfe was nominated, which there are very few things where nominated being nominated is as good as winning. I do feel like being nominated for a Tony you carry that title with you for the rest of your life. Have you seen my bios on the internet? It's the first thing I lead off with. I will for the rest of my life. <laughs> you actually do have a last name. It's called Tony Nom. Tony Nom. Even though you have done all these musicals on Broadway, were nominated for a Tony, that it sounds like there's still conversations going on about, well, maybe if you had a last name, that would open up certain opportunities. Sure. There just still continues to be ups and downs. It's even always when something. Sin. It's always something. It's always the next. I mean, I don't know who doesn't struggle with that. So how do you function in that? What What is the way that you get through it? You know, again, I have really good friends. You know, I've spent, you know, saved zillions of dollars in therapy because I have great friends that I just, blah, 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 mm-hmm. you know. They're good listeners. They're very good listeners. I'm reciprocal in that sense. Uh, I have a very normal life. I think that people who struggle as children have an easier time as adults because you kind of appreciate everything. Right. So I have a very normal life. I'm very much me. What you see is what you get. So yeah. I don't act any stranger anywhere or more normal anywhere. I am what I am. So you get what you get. You know, it it is what it is. All right. So I have one question for you that I've asked everyone. Does that make any sense? Of course it does. Of course it does. It sounds like when things are hard, you clean up dog poop. Yeah. And you feel better. Yeah. And I break out the Windex. It's like, you know. (laughs) You clean, you do things that you can control. (laughs) Exactly. Dog poops, I pick it up. (laughs) Windows dirty, I clean it. There's spots on it. the refrigerator. I'm gonna get the Windex is steel. coming. Yeah, Plus, you know, keeps me busy all day. Yeah. Can you think of? It could be from your recent past. It could be more from your distant past. Maybe it wasn't so funny at the time, but in retrospect, <laughs> an audition that's actually humorous. Because I feel like with every one of my friends, when I say do you have an audition story, they don't even have to think. They're like, oh yeah, I have five. Here's the most humiliating one. So do you have one that comes to mind that was sort of like I'm going back to. Topeka after this, and I'm never showing my face again. You know what it is? The one that always got me, and it happened so many times that I think, unless you ask me, I don't even remember. Yes. But it was always the auditions where somebody behind the table feels a a pathological need. And I always thought it was a psych out. I always thought it was on purpose to see how much you could stand. I really do. Because right. that's where my mind goes. Right. I, 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 I like horror movies. I can handle Guantanamo. Yeah. I'm fine. Yeah. yeah. I, I was always so fascinated when somebody behind the table with all the hours in a day would pick my audition to stuff a cream cheese laden onion salmon bagel m- 
behemoth <laughs> in their gizzard while I'm acting or singing. And I'm looking and I'm very sensitive about like if you had an eye booger, I'd be like, you have to get rid of right. that. Alana, like, if, we're going to stop. You I have a dribble on your yeah. ch- Like I'm that person who will not let you be punked out the whole day and go home and go, oh, my God, I had this freaking giant piece of spinach in my face. I'm really sensitive That's about that. I appreciate that. Seriously. But I never understood why these people would be shoving this food in their face and then trying to talk and give me notes and say, and the cream cheese is going everywhere and one's spitting in my eye and there's like a big glob of cream cheese on my face and I'm supposed to pretend it's not there. So I honestly feel that it's a psych out gag. I really think they're trying to see if she can she can play head of gobbler because she just got through. Yeah, me shoving my bagel and schmear. It was, but I mean, if it was just a schmear, you can kind of. But the salmon and the onions and the freaking chives and it, it that always got to because I I don't get I you're you're the head of the the head. You can take ten minutes to go and eat. You don't have to do have it. Have you told them? You're like, listen, you may be unaware. You're the head of the head. You're the head of the head. You can take time to go and have a decent meal without while you're talking to me and going, (laughs) and I'm I'm wearing cream cheese in my left eye for three days. I just want to say cream cheese becomes you. (laughs) You're very pretty with that cream cheese on your eye. It's all the cream cheese I slather under my eyes before I go to sleep. That is your beauty secret. Nivea, schmivia. It's... (laughs) It's the schmear. <laughs> All right. I'm so happy that you came today. Thank you Thank for you having me. Clouds can make the wind blow. Bugs can make the grass grow. So there you go. These are little known facts that count. You know. If you want more information about my guests, go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com. I also wanted to tell you that there is now a new addition to the website. It is a button that says Contributions. This podcast is a true labor of love, and I really, really want to keep doing it for a long time. So if you like listening as much as I love to do it, please feel free to contribute. It would mean the world to me. Also, on Twitter, you can find me at Alana Levine. Instagram is Little Known Facts Podcast. And on Facebook, Little Known Facts Podcast. You can also feel free to rate and review the show on the iTunes show page. This podcast is recorded at Hangar Studios in New York City. This episode was brought to you by Pro Media. Located in Times Square, Pro Media offers both production and post production services out of its beautiful studios in the heart of New York City. Pro Media Sound Vision. Find out more at promedia.nyc. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.